Uh, hello and welcome to the Lemon and Lime podcast. Today we have a very special guest, and that is Derivative Dan. Hello, hello everyone. Why do why do we call you Derivative Dan? Uh, I don't really know to be honest. Yeah. Maybe I I like my maths. Yeah. Um, into my finance, so. Yeah. Yeah. Keep it keep it anonymous. Yeah. So you know an outline of who you are. Uh yeah so I guess I met Bevan probably yeah. at school I'd say like became mates in like year twelve I mm. think yeah we shared a few maths math classes yeah, with stuff, Mr Brown Mr Brown he yeah. wasn't the the nice he was okay he was decent he was, he was decent right. I yeah. thought he was okay yeah he was um, one of the good maths teachers there. I think we were also in the same physics class as well yeah I remember it, that wasn't good the physics to be no. honest <laughs> the physics at our school was just it was pretty terrible. We just didn't we? Uh, the lessons were just always called off. Yeah, we had a good laugh, though, didn't we? <laughs> yeah, I mean it was a good laugh, but I didn't really. I mean, you you got it, didn't you? You just yeah. about got the I'm mean, be telling me. I think for me, like, the way I I did well is just ignore what the teachers taught me and teach myself. Mm. I just use textbooks. I think that's how generally I've approached like learning. Yeah. How much time would you spend? learning that when did you went for like the a-levels when would you start studying yeah i mean like free periods i always try to work <laughs> yeah um, as well occasionally like before yeah if i had like a period i don't know like was it like period four before lunch i'd probably take that off yeah um but yeah like for me like the studying really like ramps up around like easter um so that's when like after school i would mm. just spend like three or four hours just would you find that easy because i i know the majority of people i know just probably would not ever do that but yeah did you um, find that a t- task was I, it obviously it was a struggle but for me i was i, I never really struggled with my motivation because mm. um like for me like the motivation is to do well at school yeah get a good job support my family um you know like just provide a better life for my family yeah so when would you begin uh when did you begin studying when did you start to study hard then uh but i'd say probably like probably like year 10 year 11 like as soon as GCSEs came yeah. around because obviously it's like stepping stone yeah. you, do it, GCSEs. you get a lot of people a lot of you know naive people who say it doesn't make a difference yeah I mean, these, these are all the people who've dropped out and like the truth is it does exactly if you ever want to get you know high up in something i think higher education not in all cases but i think in the majority of cases i think it's definitely a good stepping stone yeah so like if you want if you want to yeah. get like a professional job like if you want to go into banking or law mm. Or, um, or finance, yeah. or engineering, you want to become a doctor, like you just can't do it with terrible GCSEs and A-levels. It's just not possible. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's just do well in GCSEs. Unless you're, you know, you're remarkably smart and you don't care about the exams, but you learn it all yourself and then you set up your own company. Yeah, I suppose. You that's know. the other route you can take, but, yeah. you know, that's, that's quite a hard route to take. Yeah, I mean, I have seen a lot of people who have been successful in, in that they've left school um Actually, not after GCSE, but after A levels, mm-hmm. not going to university. Yeah, but still getting a good job. Um, I actually know. So a friend of mine, his best mate, has actually bought a house. Um, he bought, really? an, bought an, you know, you know, like Saint Mark's Square in Bromley. Yeah. Um, there's like all his new apartments. So, yeah. Uh, what he did is like he saved up from age like fifteen. Yeah. Working jobs on Saturdays after school, um, and eventually had enough of a deposit. Uh, so he bought uh, with help to buy uh, and a mortgage one of those new apartments in Bromley mm. and now he just buys the let um, and now he's making additional money on top of repaying the mortgage so really ad- additional passive income that you yeah. get he's just leveraged himself as well hasn't he he's just used the mortgage yeah I mean it's a smart choice like if, you, mm. if, you've, if you've worked hard throughout your life and 
and you and you earn money from a young age and you invest it wisely then you know you can far up far exceed the um you know like how what someone leaving university can potentially do yeah yeah i definitely think it's worthwhile did you find imperial college to be good value uh, in terms of a name, hundred yeah. percent. Like it definitely carries a lot of weight when you put in, on your CV. If you've gone to like yeah. Oxford or Cambridge or Imperial or LSE, mm. uh, it makes a big difference in the application process. Yeah, I definitely agree. There's a snobbery with it. Yeah, and uh, it's because generally the smartest students, not always, but generally, the smartest students go to the top five unis. Yeah, and when you think about the the top industries that people want to go into, so, so somewhere like I don't know for law, like one of the most prestigious firms is called Slaughter and May, and they have a, a very strong culture of hiring directly from Oxford and Cambridge graduates uh, and really? even, even in banking uh, uh, it's, 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 you have a term called a target university so these top banks like JP Morgan will primarily want to get people from Oxbridge and the Russell groups um, and, and that's it it's, it's not to say that if you don't go to Russell group you can't go into banking but it's definitely if you do difficult. exceptionally well though the thing is that you can do you can do a bit more average and still get a good job definitely. at the Russell groups I think yeah, definitely, definitely. But it's not all the Russell groups <laughs> looking at. It's looking yeah. at a select few. Yeah, it's just. I think the thing is with with these um, companies, what they will do is they know that at these universities there's going to be top talent, and what they're going to do is they're going to put on lots of events for you. So mm. they're going to come to the uni, they're going to set up like a, a campus event, uh, they're going to bring like the lawyers and the bankers in and get people to speak to them, and from that people are engaged with the company and from there they will apply yeah. and like, it's, it's just a matter of numbers like if more people are exposed to it then more people will apply more they people want care. more people to apply because then they can choose more talent exactly yeah the thing is it's really geared in their favour though <laughs> it's, yeah. it's so geared in their favour it's, it's quite they're, they're not easy to get these grad jobs no I mean but you, if you apply for enough I think the odds of getting one yeah. are quite high and I think what where most people stumble on on these grad schemes is that can't be asked to apply. Yeah, I mean that's one, and also people get in too late, so most yeah. people don't realise that. Um, but the hiring is so like streamlined. So normally, even before a summer internship, you would have like a, a week program, like like in spring, you know, just as a small insight, and from there you can secure a summer internship, um, and then from there, like you know, going into a grad, you know, most graduate programs will be filled like at least half by their internship program. Yeah. So that means if you apply for a summer internship, you're much more likely to get onto a grad program because um, like just purely from a numbers perspective, when yeah. you go for a grad, half a role's already gone. So, um, you know, you're competing with, you know, thousands of other graduates who have, who have been too late to the ball and they're going to be highly motivated and mm. they're going to want this job and you're going to be competing against all these hungry individuals. And yeah. It just makes your task a lot more difficult. So, you know, we're not going to mention any names, obviously, where you work, but what yeah. is the environment like in said finance industry <laughs> uh, so what yeah. is it like is it like a bit nasty like the Wolf of Wall Street is it like a team effort and you're all good mates and everything like what's the real like do you find it a nice place to be like do yeah. you enjoy it I mean I think first like misconception we should get yeah. out of the way is that uh, it's that, never like the Wolf of Wall Street like is it maybe no. I, mean, I, no, but I have heard some stories from certain people I think it's not the big no. American corpse it's more the no. The small English mid mid sized companies Definitely. and the small to medium size, but is it like a really nice corporate culture? I mean, I think it really depends where you are. Like yeah. you know, some some banks have like a reputation for being very aggressive and cutthroat. I guess like the name that comes to mind is Goldman Sachs. Yeah, 
uh, for them like the performance is king and if you're not performing you're going to get dropped um, so mm. I mean you know w- with any corporate environment it's it, it's going to be competitive but you're going to have to show mm. you can you can do business you can do it well um, but I wouldn't say it's and the thing what people say they can like see what people perceive they can see exactly how well you're doing just by because they can all measure you in stats so you probably exactly. have a rating you're just a FIFA card probably yeah, to them like, they can probably just make you into a FIFA card <laughs> uh, I don't know like analyst skill and yeah. then you've got like I don't know like communication skills and stuff and they can just average it out yeah you? I mean you have like yeah especially when you get to like the director or managing director level mm. you're 100% responsible for bringing business to the bank yeah so uh you know it's, it, it becomes very apparent to your peers uh within the company if you're not performing well because you're just not bringing in the revenue and that's when it starts to look bad mm. but also that's like the extra motivation that you, you you want to succeed because you don't want to be the guy who's bringing down the rest of the team mm. if that makes sense so um it is like competitive it is um can be aggressive but i think Mostly, everyone knows what to do, and they're mm. motivated to do well. But it's not going to be like it's going to be really intense hours, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, again, like there's there's a big variation because in a bank, obviously, you, there's you provide a lot of services to lots of different clients, providing a lot of different products, um, and yeah, on the extreme end, you've got like mergers acquisitions where people can be pulling like a nine to five, but not the nine to five you expect yeah so nine to five a.m um on some days so that's, really? like, that's like your 100 hour weeks um is that common 100 hour weeks yeah like i mean for for mna yeah 100 percent. but what, what's the what does mna stand for so mna is mergers and acquisitions and so it's yeah it's basically when you work in so if you work in mna you're primarily part of like an industry group so you're covering yeah i don't know for example uh like one quite notorious group is TMT, so te- um, telecoms, media, and I can't remember what the other T is, but it's to do with technology. Oh, it's technology, that's the other T. Mm. Um, so you cover this whole industry. So if anyone in that industry wants to grow their business by either merging with another company or acquiring another business, mm. then um, you, you're going to have to provide the advice to that company about um, you know, how much should I pay for this company? Yeah. What's the best way to merge businesses? Yeah, it gives people an idea of what things are actually worth. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And uh, like the, the main reason why it's such an intense job is that um, the, the turnaround time for the deals can be very fast. Like, for example, yeah. the client might come to you and say, okay, so we want these materials done by next week for this meeting. Um, yeah. Produce them for me. And, you know, that's that's why you have to pull out the big hours to, to make sure you meet those deadlines and make sure you deliver for the clients. Yeah. Um, but obviously that's like one extreme end of the spectrum and you have on the other side of the spectrum like sales and trading so that's when you basically serve institutional investors so I don't know if you're like BlackRock for example or BlackRock I've heard of BlackRock before or even Vanguard like if you want to execute a trade like a big trade you go to the bank and the bank will make the market for you and do the trade why does why do you need to do that yeah I mean so let's say I don't know think about someone like Warren Buffett Yeah. he has like I don't know um, how much of Apple does he have like like billions um and you know, for like a retail investor like me and you, mm. you know, if we wanted to sell Apple, we just go in trading three one two and sell five pounds, gets suited yeah. immediately. If you're Warren Buffett, and you want to sell, I don't know, like fifty billion of Apple stock, then you know, that, the demand is not directly going to be there for you. 
So you have to go to this bank and say, okay, so I have 50 billion Apple shares and I want to sell them. Um, can you make the market for me? So then it comes, it comes to the trader at the bank who's responsible for finding 50 billion of demand at a given price to make that transaction. So they want to time the transaction, basically. So basically, you're, you're essentially a market maker. You want to match um, like a buyer and a seller. Yeah. And then you would, you would, the way the banks make money is from the bid ask spread. So when Warren wants to sell 50 billion, obviously the price he's going to sell at is going to be um, lower than the price that the person's going to buy at. Yeah, and then so, they take the spread. Exactly, yeah. And that's that's just a normal thing that always yeah, happens. Yeah. But that's all done by computers, isn't it? Yeah, mostly, mostly. But I mean, so for each product at a, at a bank, normally you have one physical trader on the floor who is responsible for that product. Yeah. And those sales and trading guys work better hours because maybe they would come in at seven before markets open. But yeah. they can leave at five when markets close. So. Yeah. So it's just, it's, it's, it sounds hard. You. Yeah. Your brain's gonna be going wild. Yeah. With yeah. Finance. You just yeah. got you know keep it keep it all good and you know keep make sure your sleep's still good and everything exactly. like but it's going to be some days you're just going to be working all day you'll get home mm. you know maybe have a bite to eat and you have to go sleep and wake up for the next day yeah actually there's something funny there's especially in the world of m a there's mm. something there's something called the magic circle so what it is is uh you leave work at 5 a.m you get a taxi home the taxi drops you off you go in you eat something you have a shower and then you get changed and you go back in the taxi and they drive you back to work so that's not the magic circle where you don't, you just don't sleep. You just come home to shower. But that's sleep. stupid, though. Yeah. Like, that's a really sh- dangerous thing to do. You know about sleep statistics, do you? Uh, so there's a statistic, which is it's a phenomenon each year. So yeah. when the clocks go forward, so what is it? When the clocks go back, you know, the clocks go yeah, spring back yeah. and then autumn forward, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, other way around, I think. Autumn back, yeah. spring forward, spring forward, yeah. So when the spring, when the clocks go forward in spring, people get an hour less sleep. Yeah. And it's like in the UK, it's like another like I can't remember if it's globally or worldwide. Always another twenty five thousand people in the world die that day. Wow. Okay. More than usual. Yeah. But then on the, well, when it's spring back, the autumn, autumn back, people get an extra hour sleep, and it's like twenty five thousand people less die that day, because they wow. get an extra. Apparently that's how important sleep is because it's. In, a, in the world or globally though yeah. it's a very small thing but it just shows the I think it does show the importance of sleep and I don't think it's something that should be taken lightly yeah, to be honest exactly. I think yeah with, especially with the, the horror hours that you hear about yeah. you know like the people who go into it know exactly you, what you don't to. have to do it though mate exactly you don't you, you, you have a contract you can legally leave yeah exactly like, um, yeah, as long as you can just be efficient just don't mess about yeah. you know, drinking coffee and talking <laughs> Yeah, like for me, I, I, I wouldn't disclose like where I'm exactly working yeah. or, or what I'm doing, but like I'm definitely on the better spectrum of, of hours, so I, I'm very grateful like to uh, yeah. still earn a good salary, but still have be able to have my weekends and my evenings free for yeah. myself, so yeah. And uh, you won't be doing this forever, obviously. Obviously, uh, no, the more you're there, that you build a higher position, don't you? So yeah, I changes. mean, yeah, I mean, it's too early to say yeah. now, but like right now, I'm just like happy I've got the job. Yeah. Um, and I'll just take it as it comes. Exactly, we'll and just work hard, and just uh, I wish you the best of luck with yeah, it. All, cheers, to be mate. honest, like it's it's a great opportunity, but it's gonna you know it's gonna require you to put. Yeah, exactly. It's gonna be a grand, but you're gonna learn so much, meet so many people. Yeah, exactly. And then before you know it, you know, good things can happen in the world. Hopefully. Hopefully, yeah. So yeah, I, I wanted to move on to more of some you know political jargon. Yeah. So I'm gonna go on to you know general market conditions. We're gonna talk about. The stock market a little bit and just yeah. generally what's happening in it 
Like, I know you know you always you know after people I talk to you, it usually seems the the you know the predictions I get usually happen with with you. So like, why do like what do you think? Like, what do you think of it all at the moment? Like, stocks are going uh, up quite a lot right now. Yeah. Uh, I mean, like, when you just look at the numbers, it's, it's just sort of ridiculous when you see, like, yeah. the S&P 500's, what, in profit this year or something. Um, yeah, like... It doesn't yeah. make any sense. I think, without a doubt, you know, all assets are overvalued right now. But I think that's mm. a consequence of the fact that in order to generate returns, you have to take on this additional risk, like, you know, because the, the bond markets are so saturated and, like, the yields are so low. That if you want to generate any sort of return, you have to take more risk and go into the equity market. Mm. So that's probably what's pushed a lot, a lot of these prices up. Um, but I think also we have to take the numbers with a pinch of salt as well. So I know specifically if we talk about the S and P five hundred, um, you know, what is up by what like two percent this year or something? It doesn't make any sense or something. But yeah. I think the thing is we have to think more individually. So like, if you just take like the biggest five companies, see the S and P five hundred, mm. like I can't remember like Apple, Amazon, Facebook. Alphabet and Microsoft, I think. Yeah. So those are the five biggest companies, and all five. If you just think about the market cap, yeah. Uh, those five make up twenty three percent of the market cap of all five hundred companies. Yeah, and it just takes one, and they're very overvalued. All yeah, these companies exactly. as well, and that will swing it down a lot. Yeah. So, uh, to be honest, I think the S and I've said this as well. I don't think it's a good investment anymore. You should. Well, I know I do, but I don't yeah. think you got to be wary of it. I think. I mean. I think it. You really should think about it as two indexes. You should think think about it as the S and P five, and the S and P four nine five. Because if you look at the S and P four nine five, you know that's way more in line with what mm. you'd expect to see. Because these tech companies, um, they're the only ones with a resilient enough business model to survive a global pandemic. Well, they thrived in it. Yeah, like if you think about a company like Amazon, you know mm. when you can't go to to I don't know like Walmart or or, mm. or you don't really want to go to Tesco or whatever. You can just go onto Amazon and order what you, what yeah, you want to as do. we speak. You know, Amazon could still be undervalued. Yeah, it could be. Yeah, um, like if you look at um, what is it like the price to earnings ratio? It's like hundred, but yeah, it doesn't it's matter. High. But it's it's becoming it's a it's won the game though. Yeah, it can monopolize whatever it wants. Yeah, uh, also I think with Amazon, the only risk as an investor would be uh, the regulator. Yeah. So if a regulator decides that Amazon is 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 too monopolistic and yeah. too aggressive. Because uh, you, if you think about how many businesses it has, mm. it has like Amazon Web Services, it has e-commerce, mm. Amazon Prime, Amazon Music. Uh, there's way more like Prime Air now, even. But it's not like you can just buy up it. You could buy up Spotify, and it wouldn't even matter. Yeah, no, that's 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 the issue because um, you know for 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 any business there has to be like limitation. There has to be a cost of entry yeah. to to enter any business, uh, and for Amazon because it's so big and so rich. Mm. It can enter any business it wants and burn cash for so many years yeah. and undercut any yeah. other person in the industry and it won't be a problem for them. But then so. the argument is, though, is that why should he be punished because he's played the game too well? No, exactly. Like, you know, it's it, Obviously, it's a tricky situation for regulators because, I mean, the bigger the company is, the more efficient it can be. Yeah. Um, but, you know, for external companies operating in the industries that Amazon is targeting, it becomes, it, now it, it becomes a matter of competition and whether yeah. it's sustainable that a big company can mm. continue to enter new industries and beat out the competition yeah. so easily. So I think a good example would be like, I don't know, like in the 1930s you had Standard Oil. Yeah. Who, their market cap was like ridiculous. It was like $4 trillion or something to yeah. in today's money. And they were broken up by the regulator. Really? Um, in what way? How did it work? Uh, yeah, it? so I, I think it owns like um, multiple different like 
oil businesses across the United States. So they're then not competing against each other. Uh, yeah, exactly. So so then so then um, because because they were so big, like no no one could compete at all. So they had to break up um, the company. I, I don't know the exact details of the story. But but I don't think the thing is I reckon if he got enough lawyers to help him, and I don't think that'd be I think it'd be very difficult to pass. Yeah. And it's still Amazon's not that big in the grand scheme of things as well. Like mm. when you look at how big the American economy is, Amazon's still just one company. Exactly. And it's actually good. It just encourages more. Com- and other companies have a lot of money. Apple. Yeah. They could delve into. And I don't know why Apple haven't delved into more things, but they got so much cash. Yeah, it's the same issue as I think. Even with a company like Apple, there's um, obviously big issues because they own like obviously they have their phone business, they have the Mac business, they have the App Store. So I'm sure you uh, people must have heard about like the issues with Fortnite and mm. um, the App Store. What happened? Um, so basically, uh, to download anything from the App Store, uh, you have to pay like a fifteen percent commission to Apple or something. Really? Um, and yeah, like I think developers of Fortnite weren't having any of it, and they wanted to 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 sort of um, ignore that fee or something. I, I don't know the full story, but they just got into issues with the App Store. Yeah. Um, and in the end, they just withdrew all their products from the App Store entirely. Really? Um, so, yeah. Um, but, I mean, like if you want to be on the iPhones, you have to go to the App Store. So Yeah. Uh, that's probably another issue for the regulators. Yeah. Uh, because if you want to control so many products, then it means that you have a lot of power. And, mm. yeah. And have you heard about in America how this just basically like this, these companies just colonizing it almost like there's like there's a Facebook city, yeah, yeah, San Francisco. I can't yeah. where, but it's just getting to the point now where it's becoming so big, and you know it's where's the law between you know the Fed, you know America, the mm. state, and the company. It all fades. Yeah, that is true. Like it's scary when you think like the market cap of companies like Apple and Amazon are bigger than countries like. The Gambia or Sierra Leone, like it's crazy. It's just it could just these companies could these countries could be helped out so easily. Yeah, so easily. But the things they've just been screwed so much over history. That's the only problem, like the diamond trade and all that. Yeah. Like it just they've all got robbed from them. They just fell on the wrong side of history. It's, yeah, uh, but then they they get the beauty of a simple life still. Mm. You know, they have to you know because the thing is it doesn't matter where I feel like in like it doesn't really matter what you're doing. It's just how satisfied you feel at the end of the day. Yeah, definitely. How happy like for them, for people in these sort of areas, you know, clean, you know, having some good water in the day, nice yeah. food, and playing football with your mates. Exactly. You know, in the evening under the sun, you know, you got the beautiful weather. You, know, you probably yeah. they probably they probably just as happy as people here. Uh, it's just we see it. They just, oh they don't live in a big five bedroom house. Yeah. They don't have a Mercedes Benz or anything, but it doesn't matter. Yeah, I think definitely like the last few years, I've I've learned to not complain anymore because yeah. when you think about like today and the problems mm. that we face in society, as like me and you, yeah, you know, um, I don't know what we can learn about like maybe if we might not have a job or like yeah. um, I don't know if uh, if we've always got the welfare state this, yeah. they always look after each other or if I don't know if if, uh, if your favourite wine is going on sale in the supermarket yeah. that's like the issues we face in our society but then you think about people in Africa their issues are can we put food on the table tomorrow for our kids yeah. um, can we send our children to school can yeah. we can we get enough clean water to get to last a month you know mm. I think the magnitude of the issues we face today are so minuscule and minute it's pointless that you know like to complain about anything for yeah. us is uh, it's a bit ungrateful yeah but it's just perspective though we yeah. have different problems our problems are more 
probably worse because their problems can be solved a lot of the problems of people in the west they just it's not that you know your problems just change as your wealth changes like yeah, you, you know you, yeah. you would get you, i think i think there's definitely i don't think mental health would be an enormous issue in somewhere like sierra leone because people yeah. have people have got something to think about whereas i think here people have too much time on their hands they don't yeah. have enough to focus their minds on and that's where a lot of issues come from i think it's just too much time yeah, that's true. And people overthinking, worrying too much. Whereas if you're in Sierra Leone, as you said, you wouldn't have time to do that. You would, you know, but you wouldn't be worried. You'd just have different issues. Your issues are different. Yeah, that's true. But I also think, like, you know, for, for but some, I think their issues are worse though. Yeah, like, so someone growing up in like Sierra Leone, they would give anything to be in anyone's position in this country, anyone's position. Yeah. To just be. To not have to worry about yeah. where to get your exactly. next batch of clean water, you know, not being malnourished, not you know, not worrying about anyone exactly. fading away or anything. Yeah, so no. yeah, I've you know, yeah. I've, I've tried to adopt the mindset of just you know, be happy for what you have. Mm. You know, you're in a very privileged position. Like, not anyone could say that I can go home today and have a nice mm. big meal with my family, yeah. sit down, go to the pub with my friends, sit down and you know, have a nice chit chat. Um, yeah, it's, it's it's a privilege to have that. Yeah, exactly. We have it so well. We and we don't, I don't think people realise how well we have it really. Yeah. We have it easy in life. We have it so easy. Definitely, yeah. Right. But it's just you know, we but it's just where we're born. We don't know any different. Yeah. We don't know we could it could all change. It could all change tomorrow the way we live. Like luck of the gods. I don't <laughs> hope you know, for God hopefully there's no war or anything, but everything could change in an instant. Like we with this COVID thing, I think we've learned a lot about yeah. how things can just change in an instant, and other things can happen in our lifetime as well. Other challenges we all face. Definitely, yeah. But I think one thing is I think people need to work more as a society together. Definitely. I feel like people, especially in the UK, they're very individualistic. hundred yeah, percent. I don't think that's good in the long run. Yeah, I think if you especially look at the attitude with with COVID, you know, mm. it's you know the behaviour is like very selfish. You know, oh, yeah. it's like it, you know, especially when you think about back in like March and April when everyone's locked down, you have. <laughs> Some people saying, "Oh, you know, okay, Corona's mm. not going to affect me. I'm just going to st- still go out and see my friends in the park, whatever." Yeah. Um, when you compare to like, I don't know, maybe Asia, countries like Japan or, or yeah. Taiwan or or China, or even like yeah, Vietnam, people actually put, put the reason why it's not bad there anymore is because people sacrifice two yeah. months of their life. It's like a, it's a, you know, it's it's a community effort. You know, yeah. you know that you know, okay, being in your house for two months in Wuhan is going to be a tough slog of two months it's going to be awful yeah like you know you can leave your house what, maybe once a day yeah. to get food but you know at the end of the two months when everything's clear yeah. you know everyone's going to benefit exactly um, and they, they just lock off travel now they just control yeah. the ins and outs and yeah. this is another problem with the European being in the EU is just, yeah. we can't control things that well I think coming out mm. of it will begin to help but it's still going to have problems it's, it's like the thing I, I don't know like, do you mean like the fact that you mean not the Schengen area? Yeah, like I feel like if you know, once we we can truly like it's like we couldn't do something what China are doing right now, where they well, could we do that actually? No, we could. Like, yeah, where is... they just con- quarantine everyone for two weeks, but they yeah. make you quarantine. They'll put you in a hotel by the airport. Yeah, I mean, I, I, you'll be in there for two weeks and yeah. you won't be able to leave. I would disagree that you can't do it here because if you look at a country like Hungary or the Czech Republic, yeah, they've completely shut off. Late, well, in March they shut off their borders, so you weren't allowed to enter at all, mm. even if you were traveling it's to Germany or Austria. Yeah. Yeah. or whatever um, and like the, the UK is not even part of Schengen so no um, 
you know, there, there are border checks when you come into the UK. They just haven't chosen to enforce them. Yeah, so it's, it's just because they want money, isn't it? Yeah, I, I think that's the issue. Like, if you think back to March, mm. uh, like the UK was the only country you could fly freely in and out of with no issue. Yeah. So um, that's why like the virus was so bad here because you had lots of. People. Yeah, it was the worst per yeah. person. It was one of the worst in the Terrible. world. It's because you know the government thought that all the cases were coming from Asia, but that's not that's not what happened. All all of it came from Spain, yeah. from France, from Germany, from Italy. Um, like for example, I had a friend who's studying abroad in Spain, and this was like March for I don't know like eighteenth, and she yeah. flew to London Gatwick uh, from Spain, which is one of the biggest hotspots in Europe at the time. Yeah, and she got off the plane, walked through Gatwick Airport like like there was no tomorrow, just stepped on the train to London like there was nothing. So you didn't even have to wear masks. No, nothing. So you know that, that was the issue. Like if if we shut the borders, I'd say we'd have like twenty. I think it's going to be bad this winter, isn't it? Yeah. And yeah. people, I don't. I think people have a lot of recency bias. They think, oh, it's been fine. We don't yeah. really hear much about it. But I, I think gyms are going to shut again. Mm, definitely. Do you reckon gyms will shut? Soon? Yeah, I mean, I think the issue with winter is that, you know, being in summer, we have a benefit of being able to go outside a lot. Yeah. Uh, you know, like sit in a park or yeah. sit outside in a pub. Yeah. But when it comes to winter, you know, because it's so cold, everyone's gonna be inside. Well, it's the paradox. People think it, you know, it's not cold because of the temperature. It's not. It's because pe- people get colds in winters because we spend more time indoors. We spend, you know, windows shut and stuff, heating on, and it just spreads the virus. It spreads just infections more. Yeah, like imagine like a a busy pub yeah. in November. Like, I don't know. It can't be allowed. The it's... thing is, people, so many landlords are getting so angry now. They're just opening. They don't care. Yeah. They're ignoring authorities and stuff. They don't care how many people coming in. But I think yeah, it's, it's it could be a you know, you, but it's only going to affect the communities. It's going to affect the communities who are you know not really sacrificing really. Yeah. So, but I I hope it's okay. But I I just know it's not going to be. Yeah, like I not. I've read the history on the Spanish flu and stuff. Yeah, it's not good, is it? <laughs> no, and it's more people now as well. It could be awful this winter. Yeah, I don't think people realize how bad it will be. People don't care. Yeah. People are so desensitised to it. I remember watching a video how, like, the first few deaths have a lot more of an emotional impact on yeah. us. But each more, it gets to the, it gets That's to the point nice. where people just it's just natural. People just don't even feel anything yeah. anymore when they see it. Like I remember, uh, you know, BBC News back in March, um, like when they said there were nine hundred deaths in one day in Italy. It was reported like it was like the apocalypse, like nine hundred deaths in Italy. Uh, and in the UK it was only like two or three a day um, yeah. and even then it was still bad but then we got to like April and then a thousand people were dying again in, in the UK Jeez. and that didn't even make the front page of BBC News so you know it's, it's just uh, it's still going on in the background people just it's just not being reported as much and yeah, exactly. people, it, it just, people they, the news companies just report what gets the click really doesn't it exactly yeah yeah and do you, want to, do you want to touch over Brexit a little bit like how do you think it's all going to go What do you think it's going to be a no deal or do you th- yeah, I mean, I feel like it's going that way towards yeah, no yeah, deal. It's now. definitely going towards no deal. I, I, I think they, both sides are being extremely stubborn. Um, but it's like if that's the way. It's just game theory, isn't it? If one side's being stubborn, then your best yeah. option is maybe to be stubborn. As I well. mean, the thing is, like for for the UK and the EU, the UK has a lot more to lose than the EU does, in my opinion. You think so? No, hundred percent. Why? Because, explain yourself. Why? I mean, <laughs> no, I mean, if I just you, want to hear. I want to hear. Yeah, if you think about just. Um, on a purely like, trading basis, the UK exports what like forty-five to fifty percent of all its goods to the EU. Yeah. And the EU, in retrospect, in the other way around, exports maybe ten percent as mm. a total as the total EU 
to the UK. Mm. So if there's a no deal scenario, obviously both sides lose out. But if you slap on WTO tariffs um, for goods um, between the UK and the EU, forty-five percent of the goods coming from the UK to the EU are now Tax. subject to tariffs. So how high are tariffs? So, or do you reckon they'll eliminate tariffs? Do you yeah, I'm, I don't know any exact numbers. I think for cars, maybe it's like twenty or thirty percent or something. But what so, about financial services and stuff? I mean, that's a big issue because, like, for the UK, the majority of its um, economy is dependent okay. on financial services. It's all just going to go to Frankfurt. Yeah, I mean, the thing is, um, lots of people are saying that, but um, I, I don't think it's going to be like an overnight thing. No. Because you know, London, as a financial hub, is so it's, it's so, so complex and yeah, integrated. It's, it's such an intrinsic part of this whole financial system. Yeah. You can't just, you know. But, and the thing is, the UK has already signed new trade deals. I saw with the Japanese one, it will add some money to the economy. You yeah, I mean, uh, with that, I think you also have to take a pinch of salt because... I mean, yeah. also, also the EU yeah. signed a deal with Japan as well a few months ago. So if we were still in the EU, we'd, yeah. we'd have got the benefits of that trade deal anyway. So, I mean, obviously it's good that we have that deal, mm. but, you know, take it with a pinch of salt. And yeah. in the fact that that's something we could have had as part of the EU. It's the America, though. We can get a better trade deal with America, but it's like, how good do we want it? Like, right. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean, people always like say this, um, but... It'll get to the point where it's almost like a UK will just become another state, though. If we let, if we, <laughs> if it becomes too free, you know, it's like there's a saying like you never stay trading partners forever. Yeah, have you I heard mean, of that before? Yeah, um, I think yeah, I think the thing I like like probably want to say is that with the UK, um, you know, as part of Brexit, a lot of the campaign was having you know the freedom to make yeah. new trade deals outside of the EU. Yeah. Uh, but I think that's a very like, paradoxical argument because you actually have less leverage now. Exactly, like you know, the UK as a, as a country, you know, if you think if you just look on a map, like is is close to, to the Netherlands to Germany. It's Twenty miles away over the sea. Exactly, that's it. It's you know, right next to it. If you think about um, just purely on a logis- logistical basis, it makes sense to trade more with people who are close to you. Like if you look at a country like New Zealand, of course they're going to trade more with Australia than they are going to be trading with mm. the UK because. You know, I don't know how long it takes for ship to go from Auckland yeah, to London. It's not just that, it's financial. Apparently there will be a free trade union between with New Zealand, Australia and uh, Canada. Yeah, I mean, yeah, okay. Yeah, in the future, perhaps. Yeah. Um, These things know, take time. As, as, a, as a trading unit, you know, imagine you're a country like India um, and you want to do business in Europe. And now you look at Europe on a map and you have 27 countries in the EU yeah. that make up a massive trading block. And you have the UK, um, like obviously, like who are you going to put your effort into try and trade with? You're obviously going to pick the 27 countries in the exactly. EU because they're such a larger economy, and potentially the benefits for your Indian economy is going to be exponentially larger compared to trading with a country with only 60 million people with an economy exactly of, uh, like five trillion. It's all about being in a big in like the the people the people the countries which do best in history have always been the biggest countries really. exactly. Because they have the most productive power, they can yeah. increase their economies of scale, and that's what the EU was. It's basically like a United States, but in Europe. Yeah, um, but obviously, you know, there are obviously fundamental issues with the EU. The fact that oh, yeah, um, in the long run, it's excellent, though. Ex- exactly. Um, you know, obviously, I I think you probably tell that I'm not really a fan of Brexit, but I think you know we have to go ahead with it because we voted for it. It's yeah. just democracy. 
And but apparently it was a bit dodgy, the vote. Like, apparently yeah. there was a lot of like dodgy Facebook adverts and stuff. Yeah, I mean, have you heard about this uh, TV programme called Brexit the Uncivil War? So mm. it was like a, a one-hour, 30-minute film on Channel 4. And uh, Benedict Cumberbatch played Dominic Cummings. And it basically just revealed the story of how um, the Leave campaign really used data analytics yeah. to maximise their vote. Um, so I, I don't know if you can really call that dodgy. I could, I, I would say that's probably more the right word. Just, I use is clever. Yeah. Um, you know, like if, if but it's it's a bit manipulative as well. It's a bit targeted. It's prey. It's prey. It's prey. Prey and predator. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you could say that, but but it's just how the world works. Yeah, uh, and you know, people criticise the Leave campaign for doing data analytics to win the election, but also. Barack Obama in 2008 also used the same tactics to win his election against John McCain. So, so but it's just maybe he's got a better cause. But you know. yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. Obviously, yeah, that's true. Yeah, but, but the UK, we never know. Everyone has a very cynical things, but the UK in history has been international trading country. Exactly. And it, going into the EU actually did stifle it. So you know, and I think you know, I think the government, I think it's a flexible country. The UK, I think mm. it's adaptable, and it's got a lot of it's got a lot of history. It's got a lot of experience in trade and what, it's, what it does I think you know it could be the other end of the stick we could be saying in five years oh leaving the EU has been the best thing we've ever done we don't know that but yeah, we don't know. it could potentially be that and you look at in Europe Norway Switzerland I know they're very different countries but, you know yeah. not in the EU but they're, they're thriving yeah I mean like people say that but like you know a country like the, the deal that the UK is going for is, is very different to the deal that Norway and Switzerland yeah, have they're very integrated Norway. yeah like a country like Norway has to adhere to every single EU rule yeah. and regulation but has no say in the making of those rules and regulations yeah. they're part of the EU customs union so when they when the EU makes a trade deal Norway has to follow and Norway can't go ahead really? and make its own deals yeah that's, yeah that's not what the UK wants so the no, UK exactly. wants to go ahead and make the thing is you got to think the world's a very big place and with the everything that's becoming technology, technology maybe it's not a bad thing maybe it's not a bad thing but then maybe it will be a bad thing we just yeah I, I, I would probably more, yeah, but then like everyone, no one likes change, though, do they? No one likes change, and the world we're right. in today is very different. It could go to either two ways. I hope it goes well. Yeah, I mean, I, I also hope it goes well, but obviously with this government in place, I don't really have much confidence. At all. No, it just seems like a bit of a, it's, it is, it's just yeah. like a bit of a fair, like a little playground, really. Yeah, I mean, like, how can you, um, how can a government have any sort of, um, like, I don't know what's the word, mm. uh, like moral standpoint if. Like, why would people listen to a government who itself is prepared to break international law? Mm, yeah. You know, Do you think... So they're rewriting the Internal Market Bill, aren't they? Yeah, so they're writing this bill. I don't know the exact details, but I think it's to do with the Northern Ireland Protocol. So um, basically, what the UK Parliament is trying to pass is, is, is a clause in the bill which allows them to override any uh, EU decision to impose customs checks on the Northern Ireland Republic of Ireland border. Hmm. Um, and, but there okay. is obviously reasoning for it. The worry is, is that if we 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 don't, you know, mark our sovereignty over Northern Ireland enough, it could get to the point where they'll they'll reunite, reuni reunify, and we'll lose. Yeah, Northern I think Ireland. the way we're going now, I think that's already. And it the, seems like Scotland mourns. It's just going to take to the point where the Scottish people go to the street, demand an election, and then we'll have to give it to them because that's how this country works. Yeah, and um, I reckon Scotland will leave. Do you? I don't know, but do Scottish you independence. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. It'll it's growing. I think it'll depend how the way Brexit goes. Like, mm. if 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 it's not as bad as people say it will go, then maybe I think it'll be okay. Um, but you know, for, for Scotland, you know, 
if they leave then you know fair enough to them mm. but I, I think it's very obvious for them as a country that they're going to have a tough 10 20 years yeah. after they leave because um you know like the, basically like england subsidizes yeah. scotland in terms of taxes so um i think there was a statistic yeah. out there that scotland will have to live in austerity for 20 years to, to pay for independence and they have all their fancy, you know, free tuition fee and stuff. I think, yeah. you know, it's like they're, they're I'm not going to say anything too, but it's, you know, to, it, when you say it like that, it sounds like they're biting the hand, which feeds them a little bit. Yeah. I, um, but I know, obviously, they have their reasons to be independent and they'll still be productive. They might even be more because they want to trade with the EU. Mm. You know, they do want to trade with the EU and that's, that's the way they want to go forward and maybe it's fair to let them leave. And maybe if they trade the EU, they think they can be more prosperous like that. Mm. But it will... The thing is, it's all part of the same system, isn't it? Yeah. I think the issue for the Scottish is that they think that, you know, joining the EU might be a benefit to them, but it will be actually very detrimental because if you now put a border uh, between England mm. and Scotland, that's going to affect the trading relationship between the goods moving from Scotland to England. And I'm pretty sure, like, the numbers, I'm, I don't know the number, but something like 60% of, of Scottish goods move, to, move between the UK, yeah. within the UK. So um, it will be... Yeah, I mean, I, I'm not an expert on like Scottish trade policy or yeah. whatever, but you know, I, I I don't think it's a good idea for Scotland to leave the UK. Like it was for like the UK leaving the EU was a bad idea, but Scotland leaving the UK is also just as bad. Yeah, Scott. Yeah, it wouldn't be. It. I think that it might as well you know work together and with people. They can still make their own decisions. They have their own parliament. Yeah. You know, I think what I would do is say, okay, you're part of the UK, but. Everything else, you're just part of it. You trade of us, yeah. but go and make your own decisions. Go yeah. and you know, go and do this, go and do that. But you know, have as much freedom, you know, but within limit. Yeah, Lim- I, th- I think a yeah. good system maybe for the UK would be like a federal system. Yeah, so, decentralized. Yeah, you know, like in America, you have like the state parliaments and stuff. Mm. So like the government of California has its own uh, yeah. attorney general, and, and you can override parliament. certain laws and stuff. Yeah, so maybe like for each country, like Eng- mm. England should have its own parliament. Uh, Scotland already has its own parliament, and Wales and Northern Ireland also have their own parliaments. And um, then they all collate together under the federal. Yeah, so you have like a federal Westminster government, which is responsible for making laws for for everyone that are yeah. like UK wide matters, like defence policy or foreign policy, but for individual matters like, like income tax or, or healthcare, like certain laws, and you know how you want to do your universities. Yeah, that should be schooling. Yeah, it should just be left to the country, and then they use their tax money to do that. It shouldn't be told what to do by yeah, someone exactly. who doesn't know their situation. Yeah, I think yeah, I think that's true because I feel like the Scottish people they have different priorities. I know they've got a lot of fundamental issues in Scotland. Yeah. apparently there's a Drugs. big drug crisis in Scotland, yeah. and that's you know it's awful to hear and. It's because the British policies aren't working, but they actually enacted they over they just enacted one of their own policies on alcohol. Did you hear yeah. about it? And there's a unit they have unit pricing now, so it costs a lot more. So you pay by the unit, you don't pay for the volume, so you can't get that really cheap cider anymore yeah. and stuff. And it's apparently it's made a big difference out there. Yeah, yeah. And I think some of the I think that's but I think there's a lot of problems they want to sort out, which they can't yeah, fully easily enact under the current system. Yeah, I don't know. I, yeah, I, I agree with that. Uh, but also, I think Scottish politics is like so broken at the moment because it's so much of the attention is on the independence question yeah. that you know, like the SNP get elected, have they've been elected into the Scottish Parliament as like either majority or minority. That implies maybe. something though, doesn't it? If they're elected, yeah. it shows the you know the will of the people. They maybe want to go a different direction. Yeah, will of the people, but then and then then they should also see that the Scottish government has fundamentally failed on 
issues like education and drug policy. Yeah. And, you know, like... Is, that's, is, independence is that the really Scottish government's fault or is it the UK's... Is it the, no, yeah. I, th- I think, you know, those issues are, are enough to govern on a local level. So I, I think you could put that blame at, at Nicola Sturgeon's feet, I guess. So... Um, <laughs> Yeah. yeah, and they do get. They still get a lot of choice, don't they? They still can make their own decisions. Like they, yeah. their their tuition fees work completely differently. Yeah, it's free if you're Scottish. Yeah. Actually, oh, this is a funny, funny fact. But if you're an European student and you want to go and study in Scotland, mm. you can study for free because the EU policy is that um, uh, you're you pay the local rate. No, yeah, exactly. Yeah, so if you're like Hungarian and you decide to study at the University of Edinburgh, you don't pay a penny in tuition fees. Really, but if you're English. If you, if you're from Manchester and you decide to study mm. at St Andrews, you have to pay the full nine thousand two hundred fifty. Yeah, but it, the English are. Have you ever visited any Scottish unis? Uh, I've actually long? never been to Scotland, so. Never um, have I. But Matt, do you reckon they're as good because they haven't got as much funding, or? Um, I mean, you just look at the league tables and you see like, you know, obviously Edinburgh and St Andrews are always up they're there. high. They're like top top fifteen at least. The English students have to pay for it though, don't they? Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I wouldn't say there's, there's, a, there's a difference in the quality of education. You know, if we went to Germany, we wouldn't have had to pay. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Actually, yeah. When I was traveling in Greece, actually, I met quite a lot of people from Latin America who decided to Studying. move to Germany. They yeah. didn't speak a word of German, but they just decided to like study places like Frankfurt. I bet it's brilliant as well. Yeah, they don't so have to pay a penny. They, they, even get enjoy paid. It. they get paid by the government as well, money. Every yeah. month. They could, do you know why? It's because they're just they're attracting the talent from there mm. and these people are likely to stay there after. Yeah, exactly. It's just, and then they work. Apparently it's amazing to work in Germany as yeah. well. Like the Ger- Germany as a country is just amazing. It's, yeah. it's just a great country. For it's them. a reason why in like the war, obviously, like they did <laughs> so well for how, you know, bearing in mind... Yeah. It was like a couple of countries versus mm. the whole world. Like there's, there, there is something special about Germany. I think. Yeah, it's, I think it's just the, the cultural mindset. Yeah, the hard work, the determination, German intelligence. Yeah, and they, they're efficient. Apparently, it's a, it's known thing. German efficiency. Yeah, they don't overwork their people, and their the stuff they make is brilliant. Yeah, like you go in a German car and you compare <laughs> it to a French car, you can tell, <laughs> you can tell a substantial. A true difference, yeah. Like Mercedes, like the best cars on the road are German. Let's be honest. Like even Teslas, I don't, I think Teslas are cool, but I think they're not going to be maybe as big as everyone thinks. Because I think there's other cars. People don't like yeah. the inside of a Tesla. People don't like. People prefer like the premium feel of a BMW. I know a lot of people going to Tesla and think it's a bit dull. Really? Yeah, because it's not really. It's just a bit. You, know, you just got a big screen, a steering wheel, and that's it. Whereas in the BMW, it's nicely... Have you been in BMWs before? Yeah, yeah. It's like nice. really nicely designed, you know, it feels like a nice place to be. Yeah, even like an Audi. An Audi's really nice. Audis are really nice, but yeah, yeah. all German companies. So I want to move on, but, you know, I want to talk about your fitness. So what do you do <laughs> to keep fit? Uh, yeah, I mean, like, before lockdown, I'd say... Uh, I, I used to be quite into running. Yeah. I, I would, like, do the park runs a lot. Yeah. On a Saturday, like at nine o'clock. Well, not not every week, but you know, like maybe once a month. Yeah. Um. So I'll be doing like five k's. Uh, it got to like good times eventually, like roughly like twenty two minutes, roughly, which was quite good. Yeah. Um. Apart from that, like going to the gym. I, I started going to the gym maybe in second year. Yeah. Um. So I, I used to be like quite skinny, so it was nice to just put on a bit of weight. And, um. Yeah, it's just like quite good to to feel fit. Yeah. To feel active. To feel the blood pumping and Definitely. it's like really good for your heart as well. Yeah. Um, it just makes you feel good. 
do you so running? Do you think it's good for your joints though? Because I, I know you've got to be careful actually, yeah. with running, how you run your technique. And Definitely, everything. yeah. I think the technique's important. I mean, like me myself, I, I've actually had quite a lot of uh, injuries when I'm running. So yeah. I think there's probably an issue with my form there. Maybe you need to get better shoes or something. Yeah, I think shoes make a big. You need impact. to. I think spend a couple. If you're going to really take running seriously, spend a couple hundred quid. On yeah, if you have some really hard shoes, you know, that's a lot of pressure going onto your onto yeah. your Achilles, onto your knees. Oh, I just do not want because once you get these problems, they can't really be solved. Yeah, I mean, like for me, like to, you know, second year was fine, but when I got to third year, I started to run. Running. I, I was getting injuries like every month so like I just stopped eventually and I just started um, just using like the cycling machine do you think cycling but I've, I've heard cycling is not good for your knees either yeah I mean yeah but I, I, it's just it's a bit less pressure I guess yeah onto your joints compared to running like running is very intense for your for your legs so um, yeah I think yeah definitely invest in a good pair of shoes yeah I definitely agree yeah very important <laughs> yeah I definitely do you do and weights what's your sort of routine like, yeah I mean uh, I think in when I started in second year, like I don't really know what I was doing that much. I would just yeah. do like a few body parts a day, like maybe like I don't know chest and shoulders one day, and then mm. biceps and triceps the other day. Um, but then when I got to third year, I come up with like a good routine. So it's like push pull legs. Yeah. Uh, that changed like a lot because I, I started to notice a lot of dif- difference in results in terms of like my body changing but do you believe in the most natural ways are the best ways is that your sort of philosophy what do you mean like because i don't think push pull legs makes any sense really it doesn't make any sense from a biological standpoint because in nature you wouldn't just use your pull muscles would you one you'd use all of them it works as a big system yeah, so I've heard that apparently full body is the most efficient way to work out for the yeah. best benefits with the least amount of time. Yeah, I, I, scientifically, maybe, yeah, that might be the case. Um, you just have to, like, what you got to do is, have you ever heard of, uh, it's like you do multiple sets, but you, like, will run from one thing to another thing, basically. Right, okay. What's it called, like, splits or something? Just, uh, uh, yeah, I'm not too sure. When you do multiple things, but it's like in one set, so you do like, let's say you do your biceps and you'll do triceps. Oh, it's like compound movement. No, you'd, no, but you would do, so you do like three different movements. Oh, one after another. Yeah, one after another. Oh, okay, okay. What's that called? Uh, yeah, I don't actually know a name, but I know what you mean though. Yeah, so split sets or something. You yeah, split something and like then, So yeah, but the, yeah, I think that's the, a good way to work out rather yeah. than, because I don't, I think push-pull legs is effective, but I don't think it's good in the long run for your posture and stuff because... Yeah you're going to get a lot of muscle imbalances. So I've gone for more of just like a, almost, I just go upper body. I do legs, really? so I do cycling and walking, but for upper body, I just, that's it. I just go into the gym, you know, hit a chest movement, hit a back movement. Yeah. Hit, but I do it in all planes. So I do a vertical push, yeah. horizontal push, horizontal row, yeah. vertical pull, I guess. Horizontal, yeah. And then I, that will hit all my muscle groups yeah. in the least amount of time. I just do it a few times a week now. I've only just started going again, but... Yeah. I just don't want to, you know, I used to do push-pull legs and I just felt it got me a lot of injuries because really? you're really, yeah, you, you got to think that you only have one central nervous system, mate. And you're doing push-pull legs, that's a lot of, it's a lot of working out. Yeah, I think, yeah, yeah, like what you described, like full body, it, yeah. biologically, yeah, it does sound better. But I think for me, in terms of, um, like, time conservation. And, um, yeah, but time conservation is better. No, but like, how do I describe, like, um, in terms of fatigue, you know, if you're doing a full body workout, uh, I don't know, if you work out like once full body and then two days later you might still feel a bit tired. Whereas yeah. for push-pull legs, if you're just doing your um, like chest and your shoulders, I like can come back and do 
like your back and yeah, your biceps and still not feel but you're still tired. hitting your central nervous system very frequently yeah I mean that is true with yeah. a full body workout you only have to do it two or three times a week and yeah. you get literally the same benefit as doing push pull legs yeah because you just do it you still it's all about have you heard of muscle protein synthesis yeah. So if you do, let's say you do six, let's say you went to the gym six days a week and you yeah. push ball legs, push ball legs, yeah? That's six days. But you're only doing each muscle group twice. Yeah. So that's two days of muscle protein synthesis per muscle group per week. Yeah. If you did three full body workouts, you're not into it, that's three t- days of muscle protein yeah, synthesis okay. per. And you get the extra recovery and you leave your central nervous system alone. I used to do what you did, but yeah. I've. I, I used to I then I thought about full body and I've seen a lot of stuff online and yeah. you don't hammer it you kind of just like the whole point have you heard of have you heard of Muay Thai before no so they say you don't train hard every day you train in gradually yeah you gradually you do that you don't go you don't do 20 sets of squats each workout each time you do a full but you do like 6 or 7 squats because then you get the benefit like you only need to do so many sets per week to, for your muscle to grow it's not as many as people think it's like 10 to 12 sets per week to get extreme growth in your muscle yeah you don't like push pull legs i feel is too intense on the central really? nervous system yeah yeah oh yeah that sounds good um, and it wastes a lot of time going in and out of the gym as well like you can do full body twice a week and then do whatever you want in your free time it'll be an yeah. hour to an hour and 20 minutes each session and just don't wear your headphones just don't bring your phone focus and it won't take long and yeah. you get just as much benefit i promise you yeah i think with a fitness i think I think it's a very like individual thing. You yeah, know, it's a very individual thing. Yeah, but do you, do you find that push pull legs works best for you? Yeah, so I would normally like maybe train yeah. like five days within the span of eight days. Oh, so, like, so you don't? Yeah, because I used to do six days a week. I'd yeah, like, no, I would do like push pull legs, push pull. Like, I only do yeah. one leg day. So push pull legs break, push pull legs break. Uh, yeah, but it's a lot. No, of time. Actually, no, sorry. Like I, I would only do one leg day. Once well, so you do only push once. pull legs, push, push pull, pull, and then that's it. Then, break, break for three then days. Then you'd start break for three days and you start. Well, actually, within that three days, I'd probably go on a run or something if I can. So you do five workouts in eight days. Basically, yeah. It's a lot of time in the gym still, though. It is. It's yeah. a lot of time in the gym, and especially you know with your busy, busy job and yeah. your busy life, is that is that is that a good use of your time when you could get a similar benefit from mm. doing it less and then allocate more of your time to other aspects of your life but of course it's a personal yeah, thing yeah, i'm just course, yeah. sprouting my opinion here i'm not saying i'm <laughs> right right or wrong i'm not i'm just saying what yeah. i think but i just think it's saying because i used to do the same thing yeah. and i just found it fatigued me and caused injuries doing yeah, it that way to yeah. be honest and it was since doing it more like less but more frequently less in each session but a more frequent basis of each muscle group i found it, it can actually yield better results yeah i mean that's definitely something i'll consider especially with the time saving aspects um because yeah. like, time's of such value to, yeah. well, as soon as like, not but as soon as you begin working time is you know has such high value yeah and you don't want to you know if you can go to the gym twice or maybe three times a week maximum rather yeah. than four or five that's four or five hours you're saving of your time you know you've got to get to the gym get changed shower yeah. it, it, all, it all adds up over the span of a year yeah that's true plus the fatigue from going so often plus you know the exposure to illnesses you get from going to the gym more it is more logical to go less and be more efficient and get more done yeah that's true but it depends how much you love the gym as well like if i really like, i used to love the gym that's why i used to do push pull legs i used yeah. to just love going there yeah but now it's like i just i don't like it as much yeah, i like going enough. but i don't love it i like, enjoy it and i do it for health but like yeah. i just that's why i do 
more in an efficient manner now because I'm going to get the most for the least. Yeah. That's basically it. I'm not, but I'm not, it's not going to ever get me massive. Yeah. You know, push pull legs is great if you want to get bodybuilder big, but if you just want to have a good overall physique with minimal effort and you still look better than 95% of people muscle wise, full body is perfect. Yeah. And it can, I reckon in the long run, it will all do better for you because you're using the kinetic chain. Do you know about the kinetic chain? So we, our body is all in a big kinetic chain. Every muscle group is linked to each muscle group in a yeah. kinetic chain. And doing push-pull legs is you're only you're isolating part of the kinetic chain. We naturally want to activate the full kinetic chain of our body. It's healthier and it makes more sense. And overtraining can reduce your testosterone level over time, yeah. which can actually oh, okay. decrease your training. But yeah, it's up. I'd say do the research. Do the research yeah, yourself and. I just don't to consider and to the viewers as well. Just, yeah, definitely, you know, definitely. But it's whatever suits you is what, and whatever motivates you to go is fundamentally 100%. what is most important. I believe. Yeah, you know, like going in the first place is, is really good. You know, like, for sure. You know, lots of people say, "Oh, I'm going to get fit," but they just sit in bed all day watching Netflix. So. Oh, yeah, so many people have this attitude of it's like the, I say. I always have a saying that tomorrow never comes. Mm. Tomorrow never comes to me. If I'm going to do something now, I if I have an idea nowadays, I just get on it straight away. Yeah. Because tomorrow never comes. Do you, do you agree with that? A lot of people say, I'll sign up tomorrow, I'll sign up next, but it never yeah. comes. Yeah, yeah, I also agree as well. Because yeah. I think I'm guilty of it as well. You know, when, when someone says, oh yeah, let's do this, let's do that. Like, let's go out and have, have some fun. And I'm like, oh, yeah. Sometimes a bit boring and I just want to yeah. stay in. Yeah, I, but the, the, I, I think that's a good thing for you, mate. Because you're, you know, you, you're a man who likes to, nutri- you like to vitalise your brain, don't you, in your free mm-hmm. time. You like to learn, you like to, you know, you're I, like introverted. I'm similar. I like to. Sometimes I don't like the social environment as much because I like to learn. I like to really do things. I like to do a lot exactly, in my free yeah. time, and I can understand. And it's better than just sitting in a pub, isn't it? <laughs> like getting drunk. You're not really yeah. adding too much. I mean, there's this. I think a small amount of going to the pubs are good. For yeah, you. definitely. 100%. But if you're going there all the time, it's going to become your life. It's going to ruin your health, yep. age you. But and but I think for the social benefits, good. But you just. 100%. But I think it's good to spend time on your own as well, and I can compl- yeah, yeah. completely understand. Yeah, Especially, you know, if you you want to plan your own business, you can't be, or do anything in life. You want to learn something new, you can't, you have to sacrifice it. You need that time on your own. Yeah. So yeah, and so let's talk about traveling. Where's your favorite place to? What sort of traveling do you enjoy doing? Um, probably I'd say the most exotic place I've been is probably Ecuador. <laughs> it's uh, world challenge. Yeah, world challenge. Yeah. All the way back in year twelve, that was really good fun. I heard that there was wasn't that year eleven, not year twelve. Um, yeah, we, summer. So we started like fundraising yeah. year eleven, um, but we went summer of year twelve, I think. No, it wasn't. Quite a long time was ago. It summer of year, I thought it was I summer, summer of year, year eleven. Two thousand sixteen. So summer of year twelve. Twelve. Yeah. Yeah, I've always thought because I, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, I always thought it was summer of year. I just remember my mate. I don't know. I just mm. I get mixed up with years. So. Yeah. But yeah, was that good? Yeah, it was a crazy experience. Like going to the Amazon rainforest and just seeing how like the people lived there. It was just like a whole. Like it's like a whole different planet. I heard there was an incident with snakes out there. You saw some. S- oh yeah, so and they sl- they slashed it with the machete, <laughs> yeah. didn't they? We're just doing a trek in in, in the rainforest, yeah. and um, the, the guy just goes, oh, "Okay, guys, step back. There's a poison snake over here," and he just gets a machete and chops his head off. Uh, that, yeah, that was quite interesting. It got experience. to though, because otherwise it will just spread. Yeah, exactly. Like, you know, it's, it's just what you got when you see it seen, but you don't want to start a war. Because I've heard like with a lot of animals, especially the ones which are more cognitively capable. Yeah. You know they they seek revenge. I've, really? Yeah, but some they'll seek if you start going around killing their species, they'll begin to seek revenge. I've heard that with yeah. tigers before. They they they'll literally if you still their prey, they'll hunt you down 
in certain areas yeah. of the world like yeah. in Russia they'll hunt you down and find you but I don't know but you got to destroy the animal because if the snakes are so <laughs> dangerous and yeah. I bet apparently there's a tarantula in one of the one of the rooms one yeah, day. yeah I remember I, yeah I, yeah what was the story I think it was like Will Robertson like just shouted like oh, there's a massive spider or something that was yeah that was quite funny that must um, have been terrifying yeah it wasn't in my room so yeah. it was alright but it there probably was some in your room definitely, though. yeah definitely definitely yeah. I actually have really bad um, experience with like, mosquitoes so yeah. I, I get bitten all the time and I remember when I came back from Ecuador, my whole it's your blood was, type, isn't it? Yeah, I think blood I'm typo. Like, yeah, typo. Yeah. So um, when I came back from Ecuador, my whole back was covered in bites. It was just like it was terrible. Yeah. Uh, I feel like I actually had scars until like two well, years. Yeah, later. And it's not that. There's, it's probably imagine all the poison they had yeah. in them mosquitoes, mate. I just would never. I I didn't even know. I didn't even because I wasn't in the high sets in school. I didn't right. even get invited on the trip to oh, really? So I didn't even know it was a thing. Okay. But I would never have gone anyway. Yeah. Because I just do not like. I don't like sleeping rough. I know it's probably <laughs> a great experience, but like, yeah. it's, it's just the sleeping rough aspect of it, and just the animals and these. Yeah. I think there's, there must be in some of these grand challenges. Someone must. Someone must have bad. Yeah. Bad must no, have. actually, no, this is a, this is a, it's not a funny story, but it's, no. it's a very it's an interesting story. Interesting story. So, uh, so 2016 we went to work on to Ecuador on World yeah. Challenge, and then 2017. Um, I went on some random inside day. Uh, I think it was at JP Morgan, and I met a guy, um, and I said, "Oh yeah, so last summer I went to Ecuador," and he was like, "Wait, on World Challenge." Um, so he, I found out that his school also sent a, a cohort to the same place that we went, uh, but the year later, so 2017, um, and he told me that they'd actually come back with one less person. Really. So the story was that they did white water rafting. In the same place that we did, stingrays and stuff. In there. No, it wasn't. So basically, what happened it was that it was an instance. Some guy got knocked out of a raft, and he got his foot stuck under a rock. And um, he drowned. And he drowned. Yeah. Um, and that just put a lot into perspective because you know, dangerous. They were doing the exact same trip that we did. They went one year after, yeah. right off rafting in the same place with the same company, the same people. I bet it's not the only one. But as uh, long as yeah. you got ins- the way they see it, is it's just as long as they got insurance for it. Yeah. Right? Yeah. But um, the, I don't think it's a, it's a, a bit. Obviously, you're signing that off. There's yeah, no exactly. guarantee that you're gonna make it back because it yeah. is a dangerous. I reckon the odds of you dying there compared <laughs> to the odds of you dying on a regular day in the UK. Expansion I reckon higher. it's thousands of times yeah. higher, mate. And this, like, especially like you, the, the, how many people do you reckon have been on that trip? Like, if you thousands, got thousands, thousands, but how many people do you reckon it's gone wrong with? And then you can work out some statistics yeah. of what your odds are each yeah, year. Of. Definitely. But I, I do think it's. A dangerous i reckon maybe like one in two thousand yeah probably it's one in a thousand <laughs> that's really high yeah that's a um, 0.5 percent chance so that means for every yeah thousand people point zero zero five percent or whatever yeah. but i think yeah it's a it's a, obviously a great experience but you yeah. got to be wary when you're out there you got you can't be i think you got to be careful basically if you're yeah. on one of these trips yeah i think they're dangerous that's but, why like you know for my most recent trips i just kept it like a bit local I guess like I stayed in Europe for the last three summers yeah um, so I did like last two summers I went interrailing yeah just around uh, different cities in Europe what eastern Europe uh, yeah I mean like so first summer I went to uh, I started in Amsterdam uh, and then went to Berlin yeah and then after that I think we went to Prague yeah and Vienna and then Budapest so good yeah it was really good really good fun yeah um, and then the second summer 
uh, went a bit more extreme, so like saw a lot more places. So again, started in Amsterdam and then spent up a bit of time in Germany and Switzerland. Do you like Amsterdam? Amsterdam was good fun. Yeah, you smell weed everywhere though. <laughs> oh really? Is it bad? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I imagine it must be very strange to grow up there because. You just walk around on the bridges and stuff and you smell weed. Yeah, but then the, the argument is is that the stuff they're probably providing them is cleaner than what they'd get on the street. Yeah, 100%, so definitely. it's probably actually better in the long run. And the people who are going to do it are going to do it anyway. It doesn't yeah, matter yeah. if you make it. So at least they can tax it, control it. And yeah. But I did see one thing, actually, an interesting statistic one. So apparently, like, so they have to control the level of THC in it. Right. But for every percentage THC increase average in the weed they'd make it, It'd be like a certain other amount of people going into, if you into like psychedelic, a very small amount, right. but yeah. But then if they reduced it, go down. If they added more certain chemicals like CBD and stuff, it would yeah. be. But it would all balance out. But I think it's better than making it illegal because then yeah, it, it, it takes away the cool, you know, rebellious stigma of it as yeah. well. I think a lot of young children, especially, get it's easier to get their hands on it than it is to get a packet of a packet of cigarettes or a full pack of beer. Yeah, hundred percent. I think that's the issue because there's no. I think get the young people off it and then let adults decide whether they want to do it and then yeah. tax it because at least if you tax it you're giving someone you know it's almost like they're buying an insurance policy you put some money back into the economy as well and you put way. some money back into the economy but you're also paying for your you know if you anything ever goes bad you're paying it in the tax do you yeah. know what i mean you pay it's like when you buy alcohol you're basically buying your well, like cigarettes you're buying your own insurance yeah right? for healthcare yeah you're buying your own insurance yeah so like that's why there's taxes because you just you're just paying for your future healthcare needs, yeah. potential healthcare needs. Yeah, but yeah. I think that's better than what's happened now. I think, you know, I don't think the, the law was... really deters anyone. I think, if anything, it encourages people. Yeah. And it, the reason why I think often it leads on to worse things is because people have to go to an illegal source to obtain, you know, weed. Whereas if they were Amsterdam, for example, they could just get it from a shop and they won't be exposed or sold anything else. Yeah. So I think. Yeah, but I guess it's a weird thing though. Growing up there, so it just stank. The whole city stank of it then. Yeah, yeah. Like the way perspective I was coming at, like imagine if you're raising a family in the central Amsterdam, and you're going yeah. out every day and with your kids, and you know they're just smelling it everywhere. I don't, I don't know if that would have like adverse health effects or whatever, but, but I think there's um, other things like cigarettes. I'd, like yeah, cigarettes are much, much more worse, damaging. Yeah. Alcohol even. So I think it's putting things into perspective. And it's probably made the city very different. Is it a very creative city as well? Uh, <laughs> and what's I, it like there? Is it very that. hippie? Yeah, I mean, actually, it's, Amsterdam is actually becoming more of a business hub. Really? The thing is with the Netherlands is that um, yeah, everyone there can speak English. Like, yeah. I think 98% of Dutch people yeah, it's, can speak it's, English. It's a very forward-thinking country as yeah, well. Yeah, I mean, like Dutch people are like very, yeah, very liberal, yeah. very business-minded very open yeah uh and yeah a lot of businesses are moving to amsterdam actually so really yeah it's still in the eu isn't yeah it? i think the advantage is that everyone can, can speak english so it's like a london but in the eu i guess the uk and the uk's got quite close ties to holland doesn't yeah it? yeah through so history and stuff a lot of trade between the uk and the netherlands yeah um but yeah like the, the dutch are great people it's a sinking country though sorry it's sinking yeah i mean underwater soon I mean, actually, if you look at the... So, basically, mm. I think it's something like 30% of a of, of country is, like, below sea level. Because they're, they're, in the, they're a bit like... They're, I reckon they'd find a way to get around it. They'd yeah, build so up. They, they'd build up. Yeah, they, they already have, like... Um, so, it's actually an inter interesting story with the Dutch because mm. after World War II, um, obviously, they got paid a lot of reparations for, for war damages by Germany. Mm. And they invested a lot of that money into, like, a land reclamation project. Mm. So, they built huge dams um, yeah. to drain... 
the sea from massive amounts of land yeah. in the north of Holland. Um, so and they've that, reclaimed that, loads of land. Yeah, so it increased the territory by like 15 to 20%. But isn't, the problem is, is when the sea level rises again. Yeah, because I mean, of climate change. Again. Yeah, I mean, yeah, sea levels are rising, but they've got such a, a sophisticated dam infrastructure that, you know, for them to, to preserve what they have, they would just have to build bigger dams. And, really? So, that's yeah. what, so the solution was, it's not going to be to tackle the problem of sea level rising hands on it's going to be going for the defensive mode yeah, exactly because it's yeah. already going to happen now like each day like i drive i, I go for a lot of cycles in my yeah. area trying to get fit and the air is absolutely vile i go past <laughs> the shops area yeah. and you know and it's absolutely and i just think like no no one's going to stop using diesels yeah. anytime soon no one's going to stop using their petrol vehicles it's only going to i don't i think climate change is going to happen but apparently it's not even the sea level rise which is to worry about is the temperature no no it's the temperature which will result in the sea level rise yeah Um, but apparently it'll be the temperature which screws us over more because it will it'll just make it too hot the extreme weather yeah but the thing is have you i did a module in climate change at university this year and it gets it it grows exponentially the problem yeah like i think we're very much at a threshold where like now Mm. within the next five years the issue is we're like 10 years too late if we did this in 2010 and we took the aggressive action in 2010. But I think we need to take action now, no matter what. I think yeah, yeah, yeah. I think action is starting to be taken. Yeah, I think the point is that if you started in 2010, you could have been more gradual with, with uh, climate policies. But yeah. now we're at the stage where if we don't act aggressively, yeah, then there's no chance. The biggest problem is meat. Yeah, 100%. That's the biggest issue because methane is four times as potent as carbon dioxide yeah. in relation to how damaging it is to the atmosphere. And... You know, people every year are getting rich in the world and mm. going to demand meat. Yeah. And I know people in the, in the UK are actually going the other direction, but the people who are still, you know, in these developing countries, they're going to want meat as soon yeah. as possible, and this is going to cause issues. Yeah. I think I saw a video somewhere which was like, how much in CO2 or emissions does it cost mm. to put 100 grams of certain food products onto your plate? So it was like for eggs and milk and, and avocados. <laughs> veg and cows uh, mm. uh, beef well, avocados would surely be negative so, apart no, from the, the transportation though yeah avocados it's, it requires a lot of, of water so I, um, it requires a lot of land and irrigation so same with almonds isn't it yeah uh, like, but with, with by putting beef or steak onto the table yeah. the amount of emissions that, that yeah. creates is ludicrous like seriously just, just off the charts I, I, I can send you the video if you want but yeah um, you know if you talk about like on a scale yeah like, for a carrot it's like five and for a cow for a beef it's like a thousand or something yeah. so well maybe the solution is just to plant more trees but the problem with doing that is forest fires mm. it dries the ground out if you dry yeah. plant too many trees and then i think what people need to do is they just need to take take a, a stock look at their own personal diets and, yeah. and just realize that what they're doing is not sustainable anymore me especially like when you see this cheap sausages and bacon yeah. like I don't know. I used to eat it, but I don't know how I did. Yeah. I don't know how I did. I think meat. So you don't think meat? Do you think it's a healthy thing to eat? No, I, I'm vegetarian, so I've never yeah. had meat. So. Do you, what's um, your opinion on it though? Like from what you've read, do you think uh, it's something which people should be eating, or something which yeah, people I mean, should avoid, like the plague? Like from what I've read, like there are certain health benefits of being vegetarian. Like for example, you have less risk of developing heart disease. <sighs> um, I think with meat, it's just it's quite highly processed. Not all meat. Well, some some meat some can meat, be. Yeah. Um, obviously, meat is good because you get your protein. Mm. Um, but if you have an alternative source, then you know I go for that. Like, so I eat a lot of like meat alternatives. Um, soy. Yeah, a lot of soy, seitan. Yeah. Uh, tofu. 
But yeah. apparently it can't have an effect on the testosterone level eating the yeah, loose I mean, foods all the time. Yeah, but, I mean, but, but like, you've got to think of the health benefit of eating it over meat, though. Is yeah. there lots of different variables involved with it. It's just one small variable, but it's just one I remember when I was learning about the gym, we would always talk yeah. about it. But I think meat is very... The thing is you can eat lentils as well. Like, in India, 30% of the population is vegan. Yeah. Like, yeah. they all eat... And I think that is it's definitely the way to go vegan. Yeah, I think in the future, um, I, I think the issue for many people is that yeah. it's just very difficult for them to give up. Yeah. Like, if you're used to eating chicken every day, it's going to be hard to give that up. I think as long as there's a viable yeah. alternative for that, there won't maybe. be. There won't be for then, Yeah, I mean, not for a while, but like, if there is, I don't know, like lab grown meat or, yeah. I don't know, um, plant-based alternative which can taste or feel the same then but i think a lot of people won't move especially older people they won't change yeah they yeah, want their like, steak every evening they want things the way it's always been yeah you have obviously like a very conservative people who will never change but uh you know if enough people do it then mm. yeah it, it's possible to be vegan and still be very healthy you know, look, look at someone like lewis hamilton he's an elite athlete is he vegan he's, he's absolutely jacked he's, in the well, he's best actually sharper than everyone apparently he can affect your intelligence and stuff. yeah i mean look if you look at what he's doing now he became vegan two years ago i think and in that time he's won like 30 races he's yeah. won two world championships mm. you know it's definitely not affected him but he's doing it in such a way a lot of people are vegan but they they get a lot of deficiencies in their diet yeah because especially I've heard vitamin B is very hard to come across. I know you can take a multivitamin, but it's mm. not going to act the same as. But you just there's also you just need to plan it out and find every food which covers every nutrition group and yeah. incorporate it. Yeah. Overall. Obviously, yeah, someone like Lewis Hamilton can afford to, to hire like a like a food nutritionist mm. to make sure that he get, has everything that he needs, and that's not something that a normal person like you could probably afford. But. Um, but you can use the internet. And exactly. Like, yeah. You know, like there's resources everywhere now. So. Yeah. Um, it's entirely possible to, to switch to a vegan diet and, and do it well and mm. not have any deficiencies if you just do your research and eat yeah. the right things is that people were just quick to say oh it's got deficiencies we can't do it it's just probably propaganda from the meat industry yeah. as well they're just not educated enough as and well. we'll finally touch on your hobbies I mean, hobbies yeah what sort of things do you like to do in your free time yeah I mean uh, watch a lot of YouTube <laughs> yeah what sort of um, stuff educational stuff yeah like Spit out some channels you like. I don't know, Wendover Productions. Oh, I love, yeah, he's, he makes a lot of videos about planes. Yeah, but, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But real engineering, you can learn so much, they go through all the yeah. proper math and it's so much more, they make it entertaining. Yeah, there's also um, a really good channel called TLDR News. T yeah, Too Long Didn't Read. Yeah. I, I watch it, I listen to it, I don't watch it. I, I On on my phone, Yeah. i got something called the private browser, which okay. is a VPN browser, and it allows you to listen to videos oh, while turning okay. off your phone, so I just listen to a bit of TLDR. So. Yeah, that's super good. It's yeah. like very non-biased. Yeah give you the facts it just um, reads it out yeah yeah apart from that you know like play a bit of guitar yeah a bit of piano yeah um been watching a lot of formula one lately why so, do you do you like it yeah i love yeah i mean i've always been to, into formula one like, i like, I like physics like, and yeah stuff, like the engineering it? behind it is all very interesting um yeah just like understanding how the cars work and stuff yeah. like how complex the engines are now um, it's, are they still all gas petrol gas engines? No, so they basically have like the way they operate is that they have like a power unit. So they have still an internal combustion engine, but alongside it to give it more power, it also have like a, it has like a e motor. It has like an mg. It's called an mguk mguh. So you're harvesting energy from exhaust gases. 
and also from um, kinetic energy. So when you break, you harvest the kinetic energy. So they must break. be very efficient, these, because it's all about, yeah. in the Formula One, it's, your fuel economy is important. Yeah, I mean, these are the most efficient engines that exist. But the, have you seen a lot of the new cars, I think? I I've know, I know so, when I used to watch Top Gear, I learned that Formula One's important because the technology in the later future gets passed down to everyday vehicles. Like, yeah, exactly. have you seen how efficient some of the petrol engines are nowadays? Yeah, like, they're super good. 60 to the gallon. Diesel engines diesel BMWs you know 50, 60 to the gallon and they still yeah. go like a race car yeah I think it's like with this like new hybrid technology now yeah. like all this hybrid technology is feeding into high performance vehicles mm. so I think it was like the Mercedes they released three years ago I think the Mercedes Project 1 yeah which was like a hybrid road car which had basically the power unit from the Formula 1 car and it was just it had like insane performance like 0 to 60 yeah. like 3 seconds or something um, like really aggressive stats yeah um, but yeah, like it's, it's also from like an economic perspective because you, you know you can see how important commercially Formula One is. Like you know, Mercedes are doing yeah. extremely well, and obviously it, like it increases have... their brand reputation, exactly, their brand yeah. image, and it shows that their engineers are, you know, they're capable of making. You know, if they can make good stuff on the track, why can't they make good stuff on the road? Whereas, if you d you know, you, a lot of brands they're very, especially like French car brands, they're just a bit slapdash sometimes yeah. like i've got a renault and it's just it's not the best really yeah. it's not the best it's old as well but i can imagine if i had a german when you get in a german car you feel like yeah this is a proper car when i'm in my it just feels like a toy they just know what they're doing they, they just know what they're doing they're, they're well made they're reliable and they're probably great they're great cars to drive i can yeah. imagine i think somewhere like germany would be great to work for yeah. like what, for one year what, what would be your kind of like first car you'd want to get uh, I don't know, probably a Merc. A Merc, what series? Like C class. C class. You know, keep yeah. it simple. I like the new design. Would you get a two door or four door? Probably a four door. Yeah. I think the two door one looks quite good though. Yeah, I know. I don't, but if I buy a car, I probably want it for like maybe ten years. So. The thing is, you just have to think: is it worth getting a gas car? Yeah, or do you get probably the, not. But the electric car, they're just not this fun, are they? Yeah, things like for me, like early on in my career, yeah. I'm probably not going to need a car. So yeah, yeah, it's it's more when I'm like I don't know, twenty six, twenty eight. Have you 30. got the license? Uh, no, I haven't. I haven't taken my license yet. Yeah. Um, it's a bit annoying because now it's very hard to get a test. Um, but yeah, like have you done the theory? Yeah, I've done theory. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, we'll f yeah, we'll leave it there because we've been going for a while. But yeah, yeah thank Wait, how long you. Have we go for? We've been going for. About over an, about an hour. Oh, Jesus. But yeah, thank you for coming on today, derivative Dan. No, it's not. Yeah, it's not yeah, and I hope you, you know, you prosper in life. Thank cheers, you for cheers. thank you for listening to Lemon and Lime podcast, and we're out. <laughs>